BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. It's the economy, stupid, with those now famous four words. James Carville, Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign manager, admonished campaign staffers to focus on what was the most important issue to the American people in those days. And what was true in 1992 is still true 29 years later. More than any other issue, Americans, notably American voters, pay attention to the economy. For the most part, if it's okay, they're okay. Today, the economy may be a more important issue than ever because it faces so many challenges, some old challenges like inflation and automation, but lots of new challenges like recovering from a pandemic, dealing with global supply chain delays, and managing a stay-at-home workforce that's not too excited about putting on a suit and tie and going back to the office. All challenges the Biden administration must meet head-on and further complicated by the fact that while the economy seems to be pretty well on its way to recovery, Americans still don't feel good about it. So what's really going on with the economy? For answers today, we turn to Keith Mestrich, former president of Amalgamated Bank, now working on a new initiative to bring banking to low-income Americans. Keith Mestridge, welcome to the Bill Press Pod. It's great to reconnect with you after uh, too many years. Good to see you again, Bill. So uh, every public opinion poll that I see, Keith, uh, Americans say that even more than climate change or in, uh, immigration or education or crime, that e- the economy is what they really care about. So let me just ask you to start off generally, overall, looking at the economy today, how would you rate the state of the economy today, given all the indicators that you look at? Well, you know, I kind of get while people are mixed up on things, because there is a whole bunch of inconsistent data out there, right? Uh, if you look at the numbers, unemployment is low. But there's all kinds of people who are out of work or are still seeking work or can't find the kind of work that makes sense for them because they still have to figure out how to deal with their their kids or other things. Interest rates are low. Housing is going crazy. But because housing is going crazy, nobody can afford housing. People Mm -hmm. have all this money, right, that they got from stimulus and other things. But it's hard to get get things to be able to buy because of the supply chain problems and, and other things. So I think the economy is really is really confusing. I, I don't I don't know if the economy is great or is in is is looking forward to trouble or 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 what. So I, I get why people have this this angst, yet the data sort of suggests that everything should be okay. Of course we just came through a pandemic, you know, where we had record numbers of unemployment and people of course are feeling angst and and, and a number of other things. But I, I, I do think things are headed in the right direction. We're just still reorganizing everything to get us back in, a, in, a, in place. 
I think what the Biden administration is trying to do by making sure that we have ongoing stimulus happening through the infrastructure bill and the other kinds of things sets the economy up for a good future. But we're still in just a state of reorganization right now. Right. So, I mean, do you think we're on track to a full recovery despite some of these bumps in the road you indicate? I think we are. Um, you know, of course, over the weekend, we got this news about this new um, coronavirus variant, which could just throw a real problem in everything if it's not handled well or the disease ends up being resistant to, you know, the vaccine or something like that. But I do think we're headed in the right direction. I, I think people have done a good job of taking the first steps to unstick the ports and to get our supply chain issues taken care of. I do think people are finding work. I do think wages are going up. Unfortunately, prices are going up too. But if we can keep prices in check here, I, I think we are on the, on, on the road to a good recovery. But let's remember, Bill, we had like a giant you know, thing thrown at us with this pandemic that completely disoriented everything. And when you take the economy and have such a shock like that, it's actually remarkable we've recovered as quickly as we have. And it's going to take a little while to make sure that that's sustained. But I, I think we're doing the right things. And if Congress and the Senate in particular can get their act together and, and we can get this stimulus bill, you know, really passed, I, I think we're, we're, we're set up at least, um, you know, for the potential to have a, a prosperous couple of years in the, in the near future. Right. Uh, I want to ask you in, in a little bit both about the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill. But uh, back to one of the indicators, 638,000 new jobs in October. Yeah. Good sign, right? So, and some and some states seeing, you know, historic lows in unemployment, actually. Uh, and the market, you know, despite the pandemic, despite all these issues you raised, the market just seems to be uh, almost living in a world of its own. You know, uh, my friend Jim Glassman, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, wrote the book Dow 30,000 and everybody laughed at him, right? Well, he finally made it. <laughs> he, he, he blew right past it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it seems to, I agree. It seems to have a market of its, of, of its own. I, I guess if, you know, to take conventional wisdom, if it's just that, that there's, there's no place to get a good return other than to take some riskier investments. Treasury bonds have been at all time lows. Foreign bonds have been at all time lows. Corporate borrowing is at all time lows. So people are trying to find some yield and, and, and maybe putting it into the stock market at, at absolutely ridiculous um, and kind of high, um, uh, uh, you know, rates of, of return. Um, and, and Bill, by the way, if you look at sort of what happens just before the market record year for the number of initial public offerings that are happening, new companies going to market with market capitalizations beyond classic American companies. Tesla has got a higher capitalization than GM, Ford and Chrysler put together. Yeah. Um, you, you know, new neobanks coming online that are worth more than J.P. Morgan Chase. It's it's kind of crazy. Companies that that have never been profitable with billion dollar market valuations. Uh, it, it's a li it feels a little frothy right now, to say the least. How important is the or how serious maybe is or is is the supply chain management issue? Well, I think people didn't figure it out quite right. Um, you know, people had all this money and the economy had been shifting to such a service sector economy. And people, I thought, what I think what people thought that they kind of would bounce back, people would go to restaurants, they'd go to movies, they'd go to sports events. They have started to do those things, but not in the kinds of numbers that they were pre-pandemic yet. Mm -hmm. um, and people, you know, substituted it by buying goods because they were sitting at home all the time. And I think that that, that had not been figured out. And so... 
there's just not enough of those things. Um, my, 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 my wife and I, um, over the summer contemplated buying a, a piece of land up in New England to buy, buy a house. And, you know, we were told, yeah, we could, you could buy a piece of land, which was at an inflated price, but we can't start your house until late in 19, in, in 2023. Um, because <laughs> there's just, there's not materials. There's so much demand and, and wow. all these things. So, you start to spread that through the, all, all the economy and, you know, inevitably it's going to lead to price increases. We really have to get this, this unstuck so that there's more goods in, in the flow of things so that people can, um, can buy them. I think it's good news that some of the major retailers have come out and said that they'll have enough, you, you know, the things that people want to buy for Christmas time. But it's also a global problem, which we cannot, we don't, we don't totally control ourselves, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's right. I mean, the you know, the, the the pandemic hit every country in the world just about, including countries that are major producers now. And we became a global economy over the last 30 years and are wholly dependent on on other other countries. Kind of scary, right, that we gave up so much of our manufacturing capacity, not not just to be able to make sure everybody can get a washing machine and a refrigerator and lumber and those other things. But we gave up that manufacturing capacity and didn't have the ability to have the materials that we needed to respond to the pandemic. So we were in 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 complete hock to other countries for that personal protective equipment or the materials needed to deliver the vaccine. Things really pretty critical to our national security. Lord knows, right, what we're dependent on now, um, where where we are completely dependent on other countries, right, for not only sourcing materials, but the production of all the electronics and technology that we need today. We really have to figure out again how to sort of reinvest in American manufacturing. Uh, I was thinking while you were talking about the housing, uh, the, your your experience uh, to, to build a house in New England, uh, people trying to buy a new car today, right? Can't get the car. Uh, <laughs> Try, try renting a car today and, and figure out how much you're going to pay for it because the rental supply is so low. Well, I or used cars. The used car yes. is it's crazy. I'll just give you my own personal experience. I, I went and, and wanted to buy a wanted to buy a new car and, and we went to the lot and, and the dealership um for the model and make that we're looking at only had one um one of those cars <laughs> on the lot. And so we looked at the we looked at the used cards and that was fine we, we got one and then i said hey just out of curiosity what's the price differential between the used car and the which was a little over a year old had i don't know fifteen thousand miles on it or something a couple of years gone on the warranty versus a new model bill it was three hundred dollars more to get the new car because <laughs> because the demand for used cars wow. is so is so yeah. crazy i i I've never huh. experienced anything like that before by the way, you and I are both showing our age, perhaps because, the, of course, we call them now previously owned cars. Oh, right? that's true. Of course. So we no longer <laughs> call them used cars. All right. Inflation, inflation. It's all over the news. That's all they're talking about. Inflation. How bad is it? 6.2%, by the way, uh, for October. I, I know you know the number, but just to throw it out there, the highest since 1990. <laughs> it's, it's bad right now. I think the question is, you know, will it sustain or will some of the, um, you know, so will the supply chain catch up and will there be enough supply and will some of those price increases moderate over time? I can't predict that you know, any more than, than anybody else can. But the, the unfortunate thing about it is for the first time in, in, in so long, workers actually have bargaining power, whether they have bargaining power through a traditional union contract or just because they're, they have power in the marketplace. I mean, you, you could go everywhere 
now, and you can see, you, you know, help wanted signs everywhere that the prices is, is, is going is going up. Um, I, I, I know one a guy who owns a chain of restaurants here in, in the D.C. area where both you and I are, um, who one night at his flagship store in Georgetown had a rival restaurateur walk in, offer everybody five dollars an hour raise if they would quit their job and walk over and close at the, at the restaurant. So so there's there's real bargaining power now for, for workers. But unfortunately, if it all gets wiped away because of price increases, um, we mm -hmm. have lost, you know, the first time to go back to what you start out with, you know, which is angst about the economy. We have lost the first time where workers could have actually began to catch up a little bit to some of the some of the buying power that they've lost over the years. But, you know, I keep trying to figure out, I mean, how bad is it? There, there's a lot of talk about the price of milk, a gallon price of milk is which is about 350 average. I looked it up this morning. So in, in I guess in the real life that people uh, shopping for groceries or whatever, how bad is it? It's, it's any individual items, not that bad, but it's when it goes across the board and it's the cost of rental housing and it's the cost of everything at the grocery store and it's the cost of a gallon of gas and it's the cost of everything else. Yeah, add it up and cumulatively, it really does start to it really does start to add up to for for folks. And if you haven't had if you haven't had the kind of wage increases that have gone with it, it can really hurt. Uh, and you mentioned gas prices. That's the one that I mean, aren't we? So the average price today, I look again, looked it up this morning, was three dollars and forty cents a gallon. Right now, that's higher than it was last year. Aren't we hung up as Americans on the idea that? constitutionally right the constitution guarantees us gas at no more than two dollars a gallon <laughs> yeah i think i think i think we are maybe we we've gotten you know it's been so long since there's been any inflation in the economy at all that this is the first time i saw i saw a story this morning that um it's really the first time that anybody in gen x or the millennial generation has had to deal with inflation inflation was really something that the gen x generation had to deal with um, back in the in the in the Carter and Reagan years, and and really since then there hasn't been much, mm -hmm. and and so that's a long time. That's a long time to go right without significant price increases. So I think people have gotten used to things just always costing what they always used to cost. And of course, people on fixed income or people who haven't seen a wage increase, uh, those those uh, a dollar here, a dollar there, whatever does add up. Of course, as they uh, do their weekly grocery shopping. So uh, so Keith, when you add all of this up. Uh, what do you tell people? Should should they feel better about the economy than they do? Or for those who don't feel confident about the economy, uh, what do you tell them? Look up. Things are better than they than you they appear. I what I tell people, and I'll, I'll just tell you what I even tell my 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 kids is: you have a great moment to go out and have an opportunity to do the kind of thing you want to do. When the labor markets are this 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 tight. Uh, you know, think about how fortunate you are that you don't just have to settle um, for any job that's a, that's available. You can be a little bit choosy. You can be a little bit picky. You can maybe even make a little bit more money than you had anticipated doing. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a positive um, um, signal for things. If you have to borrow money, uh, you know, borrowing money to be able to do things like buy a house and and, and other things, it's you know, it's a good time for people to be able to do that. I, I think the government is serious about wanting you know, to continue to stimulate the economy. I think that's a good thing. If we could control prices and keep them in place like that, don't don't just focus on that. There's a lot of good things that are happening out there too. And 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 hopefully, just hopefully, right? This that we are on the other side, um, you know, of COVID here, and we we at least have a way to control it and be able to deal with it. 
hopefully the the dire warnings that came out about you know the new variant over the weekend aren't going to take us completely um uh, off off stream but the econ- i think i personally think that the economy is coming back it's a good time to be a worker looking for a job um and and do some things and i do think right that the prices will will sort of stabilize themselves over time and and do that that's that's one person's opinion mm-hmm. um, but i do i i i'm rather bullish on things right now as opposed to being you know completely terrified like i think some people are are there things that the biden administration the president himself should do uh to to get that positive message out that they're not doing yeah, I, I think they got to talk more about what they're going to do very specifically now that the infrastructure you know, bill is now the law and talk very specifically to give people confidence that money's going to be coming into their communities and tout the things that people are going to see. Very real tangible things like broadband going into tons of areas and the other kinds of things that people will start to see. And I think they have to talk more, not about the cost of the Build Back Better initiative, not talk about the infighting that's going on, but talk about the real changes in people's lives that will happen if those initiatives are done. You know, the kinds of things that will provide real relief on things like childcare and real relief on other things that people really need in lives. These are these are contributions that will put more people to work, that will provide more job opportunities for people, that will make people's lives better you know, at the very, at the, at the very base, they got to talk more about what this does and not about the inner workings of Washington or the congressional budget office scoring on this. Talk about what this bill will produce for people at the end of the day, because it's really, really good things. And if people understood that better, they would understood that, that there's, there are good things coming and that government can really work for people again. Uh, yeah. I hope the media would uh, help get that message out too. Uh, I find them, uh, as you, as you point out, too focused on the infighting, right, and not on yeah. the uh, end result. Well, let me give you a chance to talk about, for example, let's talk about the the infrastructure bill. The biggest public investment since uh, President Eisenhower in 1956 with the interstate highway system. I mean, this is going to touch every corner of America, correct? Every corner of America, and and things that people will see and will make their 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 lives better. I mean, that's that 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 that's that's the thing. This isn't just this this isn't just fixing potholes or providing infrastructure for things that people never see. This is going to create more high-speed rail. This is going to create broadband in every part of the country so that we can bring job opportunities to other parts of the world. This is going to, you know, allow people to pay for childcare. Well, that's uh, that's that, that's that's the other bear. But this, the, the, these are these are real things that not that won't just let us build more weapons or conduct better foreign policy or respond to other things. It's real things that will 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 make people's lives better and almost immediately. And, and of course, it will also deal with this existential threat that we have, which is which is climate change. And I mean, that won't that won't, you know, come into fruition Im- immediately. But Lord, we've got to take care of that problem and make sure that we put some real investment into that. And this will be a down payment on doing some of that work. And the other side of it, the, uh, the hard so-called hard infrastructure, uh, the BIF, right? The, the so-called soft infrastructure, uh, will uh, help workers take advantage of those opportunities, right? To build back better in whatever form it passes. Yeah, help As working you- families be able to take care of their kids. Help people get more. Help more people find their way into providing home health care, which will help our aging population. 
um, you know, will allow people to get things like hearing aids for free instead of spending a couple thousand dollars on those kinds of things. These are these are real things that will matter for a lot of people. Again, today on the uh, Bill Press Pod, our guest is Keith Messerich, uh, former president of Amalgamated Bank, and now working uh, on a new proposal to uh, bring banking to people who haven't been able to take advantage of banks, uh, to particularly to low-income Americans. We'll talk to them a little more about that, and also talk about what America might might look like when we are finally can finally say we are in a post-pandemic era. Let's take a quick break on the Bill Press Pod. We'll be right back. And today's podcast with Keith Mestridge brought to you by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the great members of the Teamsters Union, men and women, one and a half million strong. They are our largest and most diverse union of all American labor unions uh, who represent every line of American workers from vegetable workers in California to construction workers in Las Vegas, brewery workers in St. Louis, and bakery workers in Maine. As they say, they represent everybody from A to Z, from airline pilots to zookeepers. We salute the members of the Teamsters Union, thank them for their good work, and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Check out their website at teamster.org. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back today. Our guest, Keith Mestridge, until January of this year. He was president of Amalgamated Bank. Keith, good to have you here again. Uh, Amer- the, the Talk about the economy. Uh, the economy worldwide, and certainly in this country, uh, once we can really say we put the pandemic behind us, is going to look a lot different, isn't it, than what it looked pre-pandemic? Yeah, it's going to look a lot different. I mean, we know every time that there's been an economic downturn, technology leads to sort of a huge transformation of jobs. You're going to see that happen in a lot of places. Um, you know, labor demands will result in technological changes in a lot of workforces that will will take care of that. 
you, you know, people can do so much work from so many places now. Any white collar job is no longer really constrained to having to be in an office. And I think that will allow people to live where they want to live, maybe in less expensive locations. I think it will allow companies to be much more productive, recruit people from all over the country. Um, I think it'll allow people to gain parts of their lives back if they don't have to have to come into offices all the time. Of course, that's that's white collar work. It's not necessarily a lot of the blue collar work that has to get done. Um, but the redistribution of where work is done and things is going to make things look incredibly, incredibly different. Right. Uh, do you think uh, people are ever going to want to go back to, uh, you know, got put on a coat and tie and get on the commuter train and go into New York <laughs> to a high rise building? I, I'm sure it's hard to make universal <laughs> declarations on this, but I know I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 you know, if you'd asked me two years ago, if I enjoyed working at home, I would have said no, but I came to find, I I came to find that I really did like it. And, and what it wasn't just because I didn't have a commute. It was because I could do things when I wanted to do them and needed to do them and could build some chores in my life and didn't have to beg, you know, the electrician to come on a Saturday when the only time I could be home was I could build that, that, that into it. I think a lot of people like that. I think people who have heretofore had to deal with childcare issues could do that. I think people who've had, you know, much more in terms of job opportunities open for them because they might live in West Virginia, but can get now, you know, now have found that they can work through zoom and work on the internet and do other things and can take a federal government job that's in Washington because it can be done from everywhere. I, I think you're going to see a transformation that's 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 not going to be 100% completely undone. Uh, and in some industries, particularly, you mentioned the white-collar workers, but also the hospitality industry certainly has been hard hit uh, and is going to have a hard time coming back and will come back probably in a different form. Same with retail. Uh, same, right? same, with, same with retail. And, and I think the industry that might end up being the most transformed though, is healthcare. I, I think healthcare, think, think of all the factors that have resulted in people leaving healthcare jobs, whether, whether they died because of COVID or couldn't work because of COVID, or they were completely stressed out because they never got any time off, or they just watched other people die or complete mistreatment of things. I, I think the losses of healthcare workers and the difficulty of recruiting people to go into healthcare professions is going gonna, is gonna to be very, very challenging for the economy. Uh, just a personal note on that. Uh, our son, Mark, is uh, health director of a clinic in Bend, Oregon, a series of uh, clinics in Bend, Oregon. Uh, and for years, he had been advocating telemedicine to his colleagues in the health profession, and nobody wanted to listen to him, right? Mm -hmm. The pandemic hit, and telemedicine became you know, what everybody was doing, had to do, uh, and that's got to stay the same. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I've done a couple of telehealth appointments, and I and I had to do an appointment the other day, and my doctor insisted that I come in to get the results for the test, and I said, "Really? Why can't you just call me?" And I I do think that's going. I think that is going to change things a, a lot, and hopefully, will make some things more cost effective as well. As you know, we have not gotten control of healthcare costs; they continue to spiral out of control. And and if there's things that we can do to allow people to get care. Um, and bring the cost down. Um, why, why not go to telehealth kind of solutions? You've mentioned a couple of times that this is the moment for American workers, right? They have more bargaining power, as you put it, um, than ever before. Um, 
Are they taking advantage of that? Are unions taking advantage of that opportunity? I think you're seeing both. I think you're seeing people, um, you know, they sometimes called the great resignation. I think people are leaving, you know, jobs that are terrible jobs and jobs that they don't like to find better opportunities. I do think you're seeing that. And I think people are voting with their feet. I think unions have found a little bit of militancy to, you know, to press demands. We saw dear workers, right, reject contracts three times before they were um, 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 passed. And they, you know, got um, extra money and extra time and eliminated two tier wage structures and other things from that. I think you've seen more strike activity because I think people feel a little more emboldened, but not just feel emboldened. I think feel, I want to say entitled, but that's not quite the right word because it has a little bit of a negative connotation. But they feel like yeah, we sacrificed a lot, came in during the pandemic, did all this work. You didn't really lose a lot in terms of profits. Now it's time to get ours a little bit. I think with the tight labor markets, there is an opportunity for people there to be a little bit more militant and and, and take a little bit more of what's theirs. And I think it's I think it's time. I think it's I think it's great. And I think you're seeing it certainly where unions have been more emboldened, but I also think you're seeing it even in non-union contexts where people are voting voting with their with their feet. And maybe that sense of what can happen will lead to some great organization in this country for more sustained and long-term, you know, change at work. Uh, and I see uh, every day signs in windows of restaurants and, and other stores saying, we are hiring, you know, we're looking every for, yeah. Every, uh, every day, everywhere you go, no matter where you go, people are looking for, people are looking for workers. And many restaurants, at least in our area of Washington, D.C., are not open every day yeah. uh, anymore. And the reason yeah. they're not is because they can't get the help. Yeah. I talked to, you know, I talked to a lot of business owners on a regular basis and, and um, they, they all will say something. I, they'll say something like, I wake up every morning and I don't know what I'm going to be out of. I might be out of fiberglass that I need, might be out of lumber <laughs> or, not, or I might be out of workers. I might not have people who can actually do the work. And, you know, you start to see this, right, where you'll go to a restaurant and it'll take a really long time to get your order processed or other things. It's just it's just because there's not enough people there to do the work. And um, um, that that's a little bit why I'm bullish, right, on the economy, because I do think, well, that will sort itself out. And I do think people will, will, will find work. Now, part of it's because we've shrunk the workforce so much because of COVID. People have decided they can't come back because they don't have anybody to take care of their kids or whatever. There's no right. migration happening, right? Historically, migration has always filled a lot of these jobs for us. But you know, since Trump, that's been, you know, really shut off. And Biden hasn't really turned that spigot back on very much. So there's real there's real labor market pressure to be able to do this. So I, I really do think it's a moment for American workers to demand better pay and working conditions. Did President Biden do the right thing by reappointing Jerome Powell as head of the Fed? Yeah, I think he did. I, I, I mean, I, I think Powell did a Powell and the Fed governors have done a good job managing the economy, getting us through the pandemic. I, I, I think I, I think it's important that we have stability at this at this standpoint. I think, you know, it's not just Powell as a chair. Brainerd became the vice chair. He's going to have an opportunity to make three more appointments here in the in the coming months, including the head of supervision at the Fed. There'll be a good mix of Fed governors there that I think will take a progressive view of the economy. And, and I think keeping Powell in place was, was a good stabilizing moment. We don't need that change right now. We need to, to make sure that the economy is managed well through this very challenging period. It's really a question of not rocking the boat. That's that's my sense. I mean, personally, I probably agree with Lael Bernard more in terms of some of her overall positions on things, but I don't think she and Paul are really that radically different. And I and I and I think you kind of keep the steady hand 
at the till during a period like this. President Biden proposed that the uh, infrastructure bill and particularly the Build Back Better bill be paid for by increasing taxes on the wealthiest of Americans. Uh, He pointed out those who make over $400,000 a year, uh, but has run into a buzzsaw in the Senate from two Democrats, particularly on that issue. Um, How do you see it, Keith? Do the wealthiest of Americans pay their fair share of taxes today? Should they pay more? No, they don't pay their fair share, and they and they and they and they should and they should pay more. I mean, we've all heard stories of people paying almost nothing because of how they manipulate the tax code and the tax system. And, and the reality is, for the privilege of leading of living in America and having the opportunity to make you know the kinds of fortunes that they've been able to have, I, I mean the the price of being able to live in a culture and a society like ours is to pay taxes, and they should they should pay their fair share as well. And I think it's absolutely the right way to pay for these initiatives um, so that um, that everyone can benefit. Yeah, we, we all, Bill and I, you and I have told these stories before. I mean, at some point you have so much money. I mean, how many airplanes or boats or things do you really need? How much <laughs> different is your life really going to be, you know, when you have that marginal next million, million dollars? And I think we just have to get realistic about that and expect that people pay, pay, their, own, pay their own fair share. And I, I just think the president and, and others should keep pressing as hard as they can on that issue. Uh, it used to be how many mansions or yachts you have. Now it's how many spaceships you have. <laughs> how many trips to the moon can you make? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keith Mestrich, it's nice to talk to somebody who is bullish on the economy today. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in your next endeavor and uh, hope we uh, get a chance to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bill. And that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel a lot better about the economy after talking to Keith Mestridge, a lot more bullish, and I hope you do too. So we'll be back on Friday with our reporters roundtable. And boy, it looks like it's going to be a a pretty busy week. Uh, How we deal with the new Omicron variant, what the House Select Committee decides to do about maybe bringing criminal charges against Mark Meadows and Roger Stone, and what happens in the Senate with negotiations on the Build Back Better bill. We'll wrap it all up with our Reporters Roundtable on Friday. Join us then. Meanwhile, take care of yourselves. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.